Pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention to what you are actually asking for in your heart, what you are believing for. That is the true language of the Spirit, your true heart core beliefs. Welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Christian Kid. My name is Christopher David Gray. We are cutting through religion to find the true Christ. In Christ's teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, the word that's used for righteousness is interchangeable with the word for truth. The idea being that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If we see how the spiritual realm works, as Jesus tried to describe it 2,000 years ago, when you see it for yourself, it sets you free. It's really interesting to me that the Buddha is famously quoted as saying, The only real sin is ignorance, ignorance of the truth. Because if you saw the truth, you could no longer sin. And I'm going to try to explain to you how this works. By knowing how things work in the spirit, particularly this idea that Jesus talked about, the law of sowing and reaping, you reap what you sow, and how this all works together to set us free from our imposter selves, from our artificial intelligence selves. It's amazing how we can have negative, hopeless thoughts and be completely enwrapped by them and believe that this is me having this thought and having this feeling, having this experience, and we truly can be led to believe that this is me. This is me that I'm experiencing. But we learned from the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans that it says, I know this principle, that there's evil in me, the one who wants to do good. So life is not so much about good and evil in terms of behaviors as it is in understanding truth, which governs our behaviors. If I see you as my enemy, then I will behave towards you as an enemy. But Christ told us to love our enemies. Christ told us that we are all one. Having this vision, having this understanding is how we actually come to true enlightenment that it's no longer a behavior modification. I'm no longer grinning my teeth and forcing myself to quote unquote love my enemy, but I actually learn to see my enemy the way Christ would see. And you realize there is no enemy. And if I have no enemy, then there's no one to fight against. That's why Jesus said, when you see someone has a splinter in their eye, get the log out of your own eye. And you're going to realize that person that you're trying to judge or that person that you're trying to look down on is just you. It's just a mirror. So again, the idea of being a true follower of Christ is not forcing ourselves to have the right behaviors and even the right thoughts towards people when in true reality, we really think this person's a moron and we really think that they're an enemy and they're the whole problem and they are the spawn of Satan or whatever, but oh, I'm just going to love them because that's what Christ wants me to do. No, we're talking about going beyond that, going beyond a political idea of Christianity, going beyond this us versus them, realizing that we truly are one. We come from one father. We are one. So in order to get to this place, I want to 
eventually I'm going to be talking about some, some things that some people might call conspiracy theories. We're going to talk a lot about the Catholic Church because we realize that Christianity, the foundation of even Protestant Christianity, is the Roman Catholic Church. So we need to acknowledge that that's the foundation of modern Christianity, the understanding of the Bible. But when I'm pointing out things like, wait a second, if our experience, our modern experience of Christianity doesn't align up with what we see in the book of Acts, for instance, in the book of Acts, I see plenty of instances of miracles and mystical experiences and things that we would definitely call spiritual, right? But what I see now in and what I experienced mostly growing up in Christianity is very much just a dogmatic understanding, a mental assent to these ideas, and then using these mental ideas to govern ourselves and govern our actions and spending a lot of time in between the thought and action space, right? Having this huge disconnect between what I think, what I perceive on the outside, and then this huge amount of space to keep me from behaving in ways that are congruent with my actual thoughts. Again, what I'm offering, what I'm discovering for myself, and I hope this is very useful and hopeful and awesome thought for you, is realizing like there's a place that we can get to more and more in our lives where we are not like these people that have our heads on one place and our hearts in another place, and we're constantly just going back and forth between these two things or mistaking our hearts, mistaking our true core center, our actual true spiritual selves for the imposter. The imposter, the artificial intelligence, the sinful nature, the ego self, that oftentimes convinces us that it is us, that we are it. But the main way that you can determine whether or not you are thinking from your ego or thinking from the spirit, thinking, feeling, from the spirit, thinking, feeling from the ego, a lot of times has to do with something very, very simple, a very simple concept. Is it negative or is it positive? Because the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. These are positive actions. And this metaphor that we keep referencing, the idea of going into the promised land, out of Egypt, into the wilderness, to the promised land, this is forward motion. This is courageous. This is brave. It's confidence. We are more than conquerors. The Apostle Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I press forward. This is the idea. We're running the race. We're looking forward. In that passage in Colossians that we reviewed, where the Apostle Paul warns us against self-made religion and these rules that seem like it's a good idea, but it's not. A couple verses later in the next chapter, he says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. It's this idea of going forward, not looking back, not judging things as you see them. We are not people that just live a life based on our five senses. We realize that there is a higher understanding, that there are laws and rules in place in this spiritual universe that govern who we are and how we react. And if we understand how this works and we align ourselves with it, very simply, life gets easier. We're not fighting against ourselves. 
And the idea being that our core identity, our core true identity is the Christ self, is our spiritual self. Our spirit is literally the essence. When you boil us down and you get rid of all the superfluous stuff, when we die, when our body is gone, when our ego is no more, what is the essence of who we are? What is our true identity? What is going to survive and live forever? It is our spirit. That is our true self. That is the true core of who we are. And in true spirituality, with Christ as a guide, we can learn how to live life based on this essence of who we are now and not be fooled by the imposter, not to be fooled by our sin nature, not to be fooled by the ego self, the artificial intelligence that we think we are. But again, we can see really clearly, it's really a matter of understanding negative versus positive. When I first discovered this, it was like the biggest breath of fresh air I'd ever taken in my life. Realizing like, oh my gosh, Yes, of course. Like, look at this. It's not about right or wrong, good or bad. Again, going back to that idea of true of the true gospel, that is already taken care of. If we are truly living by faith, then that is not a concern. What is a concern for me right now is how do I navigate my life in a way that I would say is worthy of that statement, I am more than a conqueror. How do I walk by faith? Like, how do I actually move myself forward? It's understanding how the universe works, this idea of sowing and reaping, and how this all works together. So let's just look simply at this idea of negative and positive. We could visualize that Egypt would be the negative, that's slavery, right? And the promised land is where we live life of faith. And the wilderness is sort of this in-between place. It could be like the neutral space, right? So what if in our lives, what we're really after is not cars and jobs and promotions and degrees and accolades and notoriety. What those things bring to us is a feeling. What those things bring to us is a positive feeling. We could say a positive energy, hanging out with family that you love, doing things that you love to do. Why do we do these things? Because it is a positive energy and positive energy can only move in a positive direction. Negative energy has a tendency to move in a negative direction. Imagine we're standing in a neutral position and everything to our left is negative and everything to our right is positive. Now imagine that each direction has its own magnetic pole. There's a negative magnetic pole and there's a positive magnetic pole. What most of us experience in our lives because of our conditioning, because we have been trained to think in a negative way, because we've all experienced things like failure. We've all experienced pain and wounds, which because they are very difficult to sometimes get rid of, right? When you have some kind of a trauma, you remember as a kid, especially like some bully making fun of you and it hurt your feelings and it replays in your mind while you're going to sleep and it gets stuck inside of you and it becomes part of your personality. That actually becomes a negative energy in your life 
that if you haven't dealt with it, if it remains in your psyche, remains in your subconscious, it will create a sort of black hole that you're always trying to fill. A lot of times in our lives, the things that we do habitually, the kind of what I call the sex, drugs, and rock and roll sins, which are really just the surface level kind of symptomatic patterns of behavior that we use to soothe these kind of black hole traumas that we carry inside of us, these things are just symptoms. They're just showing us like, hey, there's something wrong here. There's something missing. There's some kind of wound that hasn't been healed. The reason why this whole negative reality feels so much more natural to us is because of the way we've been programmed. What we're learning in modern psychology is that I can tune myself to be programmed to positivity and it can be as powerful, if not more powerful, than negativity, than always expecting and being able to create reasons in my mind why my plans might fail and focusing my attention on those things, in essence, putting my faith in the negative and then why should I be surprised when I see those outcomes over and over and over again? When we understand how our psychology works, that we are habitual pattern beings, that we can repattern ourselves. We can reprogram the way that we were taught to think. In essence, what I've realized is, okay, wait a second. So my life was the way it was and colored kind of the way it was because I was in the habit of looking backwards and staring at my shadow and staring at all of my failures all the time, staring at all the things that went wrong. And of course, you know, we try to learn things from that. That's fine. But you can't move forward. You can't have a successful life if I'm moving forward, walking backwards, right? That doesn't make sense. Most of us are literally marching forward in our lives with our backs turned, carrying all of our baggage from the past into the future. And it's a very difficult thing to do. That's why the Apostle Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards the mark. And modern psychology, again, understands this. This is actually possible, where we forgive everything in the past, we've learned what we need, we've healed our traumas, we are able to devote 100% of our positive attention towards our future. I mean, in the process of healing myself and reprogramming myself, I started discovering things like when I would spend time deliberately thinking and planning about what I wanted for my future, such as doing this podcast, I would notice this level of fear come up in me. And it was almost like, if you can imagine me sort of cowering, like I'm sort of looking towards the sun, I'm sort of looking towards the the positive side, but I'm sort of doing it with one eye squinted and like one shoulder kind of rolled forward, like really in this defensive posture, right? Because I've kind of trained myself that I can't trust life. Life is bad to me. Life hurts, like going forward, something's going to go wrong, right? It's like you're in a horror movie every day of your life and you're like, you you have to force yourself to go forward. Hey, I have to go to work. I have to do these things. But it's like a lot of us are just living this life where we are psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, like so guarded, right? So expectant 
of things to go wrong. Well, what we're learning, again, about psychology, and the Bible is full of this, is that you get out of life what you expect. Like the idea of riding down the street on your bicycle, and you see a rock ahead, and you say, don't hit the rock, don't hit the rock, don't hit the rock, and you're staring right at the rock. And what happens? You hit the rock. Because that's where your attention is. And wherever we put our attention, whether it's with our eyes or our ears or just our imaginations or just our our thinking, wherever we put our attention, that's what we are going to experience. That's what we're calling towards us. So what we don't truly appreciate and we haven't been taught by the Christian belief system is that the way I think and feel about myself and about the world, that absolutely informs what is brought into my experience. And so when Jesus told us, ask and it is given, seek and you shall find, knock and the door is open, we think through the Christian belief system that he's just talking about words. He's just talking about the way that we've been taught to pray. You're like, oh God, you know, please help us, bless this food. We're just saying words. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of prayers that we utter, most of them, we don't truly utter from our hearts, from our core beliefs. I just know from experience, the Christian belief system had thoroughly convinced me that God is in control of everything. And I have this experience to confirm it where, hey, I've prayed tons of prayers that were not answered. And the thing that I didn't want to happen ends up happening. And I get to this place where I'm just like literally sort of like, okay, well, I know there's a God and, you know, he's supposed to be on my side, but my experience doesn't really bear that out. I mean, I got to a point where I was just like, what's the point of praying, really? I mean, honestly, these sayings of Jesus, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the doors will be open, like it didn't make any sense to me. Well, what if it's because the way we have been taught to ask with just like frivolous words that don't really mean anything, which Jesus warned us about, like, hey, just saying a bunch of words is not going to do it. Well, what if we realize that we are actually getting what we're asking for, but the asking is not what we think it is? What if what we ask for is really what we are paying attention to, what we are actually looking at, what we are actually believing? Like if I'm moving forward, in my life, and I want a particular outcome, like I want to find a job, I've applied for a job, for instance, and I want this job, but what if my mind is absolutely filled with complete doubt, like just knowing, like I just know in my heart of hearts, I'm never gonna get this job, but I'm, but I'm praying, oh God, please help me to get this job, but in my heart, I'm thinking like, there's no way I'm gonna get this job, I'm, there's just no way I'm gonna get it, and then Am I surprised when I don't get it? What if the asking is a much more internal, spiritual, psychological experience? Jesus says over and over in the scripture, ask your heavenly father for stuff. Ask and it is given. Seek and ye shall find. And that's not a lot of Christians' experience that I know. And it certainly wasn't my experience. But now that I'm learning, not only what I think Christ was actually talking about, combining that with a lot of modern psychology and spiritual thought from other people like the Buddha, you start putting this picture together and realize, wait a second, we're not spiritual people. We literally spend most of our time thinking 
with our ego minds. And those ego mind prayers, I would argue, don't go anywhere. If I'm not praying from my heart, from a core of who I am, why would I expect to get anything, right? Like in in the book of James, it says, if any of you ask wisdom of God, let him believe. But anyone who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind and he won't receive anything. That certainly describes the way I felt for a lot of my Christian experience under the Christian belief system. It's just being blown and tossed by the wind. Like none of this makes sense. Like I'm asking for these things, but then I just feel totally just beat up all the time and nothing makes sense. In fact, my experience is like, why do things seem to go wrong more than they go right? I don't understand that. Like That's the opposite of what I'm being shown in the scripture. That's the opposite of what Jesus is saying. But one of the most beautiful things that I realized and I'm in practicing is this truth that is setting me free that I want to share with you is this idea of how energy works and that us asking for things and the idea of you reap what you sow, what if the sowing is not just frivolous words? What if it's actually something that you truly believe in? Well, it's difficult to believe in a positive outcome if you are stuck in this programmed reality that we all live in where everything seems to be more prone towards the negative, right? When I pray for something positive in this seemingly negative universe that we live in, it's like I'm throwing a goldfish into a raging Colorado River, right? And I'm hoping that this fish can somehow swim upstream for me. It's like the impossible, right? Like, oh, this is absolutely impossible. But when you understand the true spiritual reality and why Jesus was so confident in saying like, hey, ask and it is given. Ask your heavenly father whatever you want. If you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone, is he? Like ask, he'll give it to you. You just have to believe. And that one verse where he says, believe as if you've received it and then you will receive it. It's a whole different understanding, a whole deeper knowing of ourselves. And this is why I'm on this spiritual journey where I am like just as much as I can learning how to join my true mind and my heart together. And then coming at my life from a place of true faith and power where I realize something very simple you can find in nature. And remember, if something is true in the spirit, then that means it's also true in nature. Did you know that energy flows from negative to positive. That's the natural flow of energy. Like if you have a battery and it has one end is negative and one end is positive, that energy, that electricity in that battery is flowing from the negative to the positive. So what if that's true in the spirit also? What if contrary to the way that we've been programmed, contrary to the way that we seem to experience our life, what if energy is actually flowing towards the positive, that the energy, the spiritual energy that we're seeking is actually already moving into the positive, is already moving into the future, is already moving into the promised land. There's already an energy that we can learn how to harness that will automatically power us into the promised land. This is how all of a sudden we start realizing, like, wait a second. So if I fill myself with love, 
if I fill myself with faith, if I practice these things through prayer and meditation, and I take my thoughts captive, this is the huge thing, right? If I learn how to do this, I will get on this track that's already moving in the positive direction. And this is what certainly I have begun to experience in my life in the last three years. It's amazing. The more I let go of these limiting beliefs and these ideas that the Bible would say exalt themselves against the knowledge of truth, I automatically start moving in the right direction. And that is one of the reasons why we have to let go of religion. I mean, it's one of the reasons why Jesus said you have to let go of your parents. If you're not willing to leave mother and father for me, if you're not willing to sell all you have and follow me, you're not going to be worthy of me. It's because you have to let go of your past. You have to let go of anything that is keeping you trapped where you are. And presumably, if you're like me, like, hey, I don't want to be trapped where I am. I want to be moving. I want to be fluid. I want to be marching towards my true self as much as possible. So let me talk more about this idea of negative versus positive energy and start realizing Everything in your life that you think you want, what you actually want is positive energy. What you actually want are things and people and jobs and opportunities and sunsets and kittens and money and things that make you feel positive and will automatically move you in a positive direction. Ask yourself why drugs and alcohol sex, rock and roll. Like, why is this such a temptation for us? Why are these things that we love to lean on so much? Because they work. Because they help us to overcome our negative energy and experience short bursts of positive energy. It's not because these things are bad or wrong necessarily. Although you realize like once you start getting yourself going in this sort of perpetual positive motion, you start clearing out the negative stuff and you start moving in this positive direction, you know, you'll realize the desire for drugs, alcohol, these things will diminish because you'll start realizing you don't need it. There's a concept, I don't know if you've heard of this, but this concept of different states of consciousness, it's really not mysterious at all. It's actually very easy to understand. A state of consciousness could be like shame, guilt, fear, right? If you're in that kind of state of consciousness, you're not experiencing a lot of positive energy, right? Because if I'm experiencing fear, that means I'm not experiencing love because perfect love casts out fear. So if I'm experiencing that and I'm not experiencing love, I have a huge deficit of positive energy and I need positive energy to move forward in my life. And what I've experienced and what I know about drugs and alcohol is you can have experiences where all of a sudden you're set free from those fears and you can experience your true positive nature. In my opinion, in my experience, it's not the drugs and the alcohol that is bringing me this positive energy. It's helping me to free myself from the negative feelings so that I can experience the positive energy. My favorite times ever being like at a wedding where everybody's just in a really good mood and you're just having fun. In those times of celebration, it's like you're not thinking about your business. You're not thinking about the leaky sink at home. You're not thinking about your bills. Like all those things that drain your energy are gone. And it's just like you get lifted into this high, high state of having fun. That's what we're after in our life. 
And what true spirituality, what Christ offers us is a way to experience positive energy despite your circumstances. Because guess what? We're always going to be finding something to be potentially worried about, right? Because we're always growing. We're always walking up the stairs. We're always climbing up the mountain. Like it's always going. You're always getting better. You're never going to be satisfied with your level of consciousness. But going back to this idea, so what we learn about things like drugs and alcohol, if, you know, if I'm in a state of depression, of shame, guilt, or whatever, alcohol is going to make me feel better. And that's how I can get addicted to it. And the problem is that you can actually also get addicted to the negative feelings because you use the negative feelings to trigger your need for alcohol. Or in other words, you use the negative feelings as an excuse to reach for alcohol. And so you can get caught in this loop. That's why alcohol can be so damaging because it keeps you addicted to the negative feelings, but you need the negative feelings in order to justify drinking the alcohol, right? But as you learn how to raise your consciousness and let go of the guilt and the shame and the worry and the doubt and fear, you're going to experience times when your level of consciousness gets raised up to a certain point where alcohol no longer lifts you to a higher state of consciousness. It actually kind of brings you down. And that's why In my understanding, the Apostle Paul said things like, hey, if you can eat meat sacrificed to idols and it doesn't violate your conscience, that's fine. But if it doesn't, then don't do it because we're all on different levels of consciousness and different levels of consciousness, even in different parts of our lives. This really puts the idea of sin and doing wrong or bad things in our lives in a totally different perspective, right? Because really the only sin that I can commit is looking backwards, is staring at my shadow. In one of my recent podcasts, I gave this metaphor of turning my back to the sun. Let's say that my chest is made up of a solar panel and I need the sunlight's energy to power me, right? But instead of facing the sun, I'm facing backwards and I'm staring at my darkness. And from that vantage point, I can look back and I can see all the mistakes I made and I can see all the people I hurt and all the things that I want to change. And I'm just staring at all this stuff. Well, if you talk to any psychiatrist, any therapist, anybody who knows anything about human psychology or the human brain, you realize like if you're focusing your attention on all the things you did wrong and all the things you wish you could change, you are not going to be moving forward and you're not going to be feeling good about yourself. And if you're not feeling good about yourself, you're not going to be moving forward. But all I have to do, what set me on this path to correcting my perspective and reprogramming my brain was like when I started realizing that all I really have to do is turn around 180 degrees and instead of spending my time in my mind, in my emotions, in my heart, focusing on all the negative things and thinking that like, oh, if I could just go back and clean up all this bad stuff, then I could move forward. You start realizing, no, actually you staring at all that stuff and rehashing everything and making yourself feel bad is the only reason why you're not moving forward. Because if you took that energy, that thought space, that processing power in your brain, so to speak, I mean, imagine that your brain and your heart are like a computer and you're putting all this negative input from your past in there and it's just going to spit out more of the same, right? Input, output, input, output. That's the way our psychology sort of works. That's the way our subconscious operates. Whatever is in there will just keep repeating as a pattern. 
right? If I feel depressed and then I get in this habit of reaching for alcohol at the end of the day, and I just keep doing that, which I did in my past. What you'll start realizing that in that place, if you really pay attention to yourself, is you actually start relishing when somebody hurts your feelings or something goes bad at work or whatever. Like you'll actually feel sort of stoked about it. Have you ever experienced that? I did. I started noticing, I'm like, wait a second. I'm getting really excited about this fact that this person just hurt me. And I'm like telling everybody, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Oh, I'm so stressed out. I'm going to go home. And like in my mind, I'm like feeling giddy, right? Like, oh yeah, I get to go home and drink whiskey. Like, oh, I'm totally justified now. I'm complete. I have it completely justified. And it's like, you don't even realize when you get stuck in those programs, it's like you're using all of your processing power every day just to create these circumstances where you get to justify your habit justify your alcohol. This alcohol is going to make me feel better. And guess what? It's true. The alcohol does make you feel better. The alcohol does help you momentarily, right? Just for a short time. It's not sustainable. That's why it doesn't work. It's not actually what you're after because what you're actually after is the positive energy that those things can bring to you. But when you start realizing through true spirituality, through Christ's teachings, through meditation, prayer, that this kind of positive energy is available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you don't have to drink anything and you don't have to have a fat bank account and you don't have to be driving a Lamborghini and you don't have to have a perfect partner. You don't have to have a perfect house. Like you can actually learn to experience these things despite And it's funny because I know a lot of Christian people balk at this idea of the law of sowing and reaping, which is the same thing that the new age people talk about the law of attraction. I mean, that's what Jesus was essentially the first law of attraction teacher. He's saying like, you can ask God for whatever you want and it'll be given to you. But what we don't realize, what we were not taught by the Christian belief system is that asking is not just done with your mouth. There has to be faith behind it. And faith is is, in my experience, almost like a full body experience. How do I know if I'm having faith in a certain thing? Because I have peace. And when you have peace in your mind, guess what? It translates to your body. It just does. You feel peace. When you're stressed out, your body feels stressed out. You can feel it. Our brains, our minds, what we think affects how we feel. That's another thing that we're going to be talking about as we go down this. And it's a hard pill to swallow. I understand. But this idea that most Christians just sort of pay lip service to where the Apostle Paul said, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What that means is don't allow yourself to think thoughts that are negative. Do not allow yourself to think that things, circumstances, feelings, emotions, words, people in your life are more powerful than this ever-present, ever-moving, positive love energy that God is and that you are at your core. Again, my argument about who you are at your core, when you boil everything down and you try to find the essence of it, who are you at your essence? You are a spirit. You are not a body. You have a body. I am a spirit. And if I'm a spirit and I'm alive, then I am attuned to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That is what I thrive on. That is what I want. From this vantage point, you guys, you clearly see how lying and cheating and stealing and killing and all that bad stuff, you realize like, wait a second, not only do I not want to do that stuff because, 
you know, like drinking alcohol and doing drugs, like it may bring you a short high, right? If I'm in need of money, I can go steal some and all of a sudden I'm not in need of money anymore and I might relieve my stress for a while, but guess what? Then you reap what you sow. Another saying in the Bible that's just like you reap what you sow is if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So in a future episode, we're going to talk specifically about this idea of law of attraction and look at, is this actually something that Christ taught? If it's true, then how do we work it? The Christian belief system that I grew up on gave me this idea that God was in control of everything and that everything that was happening around me was somehow God's will. Well, I'm telling you, if you're experiencing a lot of negative over and over and over, and I mean like the same patterns over and over, that is not God's will. That is a mirror being held up in front of your face saying like, hey, pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention to what you are actually asking God for in your heart, what you are believing for. That is the true language of the spirit is your true heart core beliefs. If I ask God for something and I don't truly believe in it, chances are I'm not going to see the fruit of that prayer because asking in a spiritual sense is done essentially with heart, soul, mind, and body. It's something that is a completely integrated experience. Christian belief system doesn't understand this. Christian belief system allows us to skate through life thinking that we're spiritual people when we're really just living out of our minds. We're just using our minds to sort of control our bodies and navigate our lives. Meanwhile, our heart and our deepest thoughts are just a mess. Most Christians are terrified of this idea of trying to control your thoughts. A thought provokes more thoughts, which provokes feelings. If I think a depressive thought, if I remember something bad that somebody said to me years ago, I can relive that feeling. I can go back into that state of being. And from that state of being, it's like, why are you doing that? Well, if I'm an alcoholic, maybe I'm doing that just to justify me taking a drink of alcohol. Oh yeah, I remember how bad I felt. Now I get to drink my alcohol and that's my, that's my promised land, right? To an alcoholic, the alcohol is the promised land. But how are we going to move beyond that if we don't understand the truth of how this works? Once we start realizing that this energy that we're all looking for, You're not going to find it in drugs and alcohol, and you're not going to find it in religion either. Energy that you're looking for, the core, the essence, the spirit of who you are is looking for, the fuel that you're looking for can only be found in a true spiritual understanding. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. My name is Christopher David Gray. This is Confessions of a Christian Kid. Hey, if you are interested in learning how to rewire your mind and learning how to see the world more the way Christ taught us how to see it and therefore learn how to let go of things that are holding you back and move forward in a more dynamic and natural direction, find your purpose and understanding more of what the difference between negative and positive energy is in your life and how to start weeding out the negative energy and moving for the positive. If you're interested in having conversations like that, get in contact with me at coac1977 at gmail.com. That's C-O-A-C-K 1977. COAC stands for Confessions of a Christian Kid. C-O-A-C-K 1977 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for your time and attention.